Hi, and welcome to the Let's Talk Healthy Pets podcast. I'm Dr. Karen Becker, Dr. Mercola's Chief Wellness Veterinary Consultant, and I'm excited to share with you the latest news about pet health to guide you in keeping your animal companions healthy, comfortable, and happy throughout their lives. My goal as a proactive vet is to empower pet owners to make knowledgeable decisions to extend the lifespan and well-being of their animals. If you're looking for more pet health tips, you can also subscribe to my free daily newsletter at healthypets.mercola.com. Thank you so much for listening and enjoy today's podcast. Hi, I'm Dr. Karen Becker, and Dr. John Robb has been nominated for an Animal Game Changer Award. I've interviewed Dr. Robb several times before, but it is an honor and a pleasure to have him back today as the nominee for the Game Changer Award. So Dr. Robb, thank you for joining me, and congratulations. Lots of people nominated you for a Game Changer. Well, I certainly do appreciate that. I appreciate having you on your show. But for me, it's just another opportunity to get the word out, you know, because it's not about me. It's about these pets and what we need to do to protect them. So for people, Dr. Rob, that don't know who you are or, or what your passion is, just kind of walk us through, uh, walk us through your passion and your career, uh, where you started. And then, uh, most importantly, where you're at now. Sure. Yeah. Well, you know, like, like many veterinarians, we start out with, uh, uh, you know, an indoctrination process. Now, There were some excellent things I learned at UC Davis, don't get me wrong, great school, but there's also the pharmaceutical influence that comes in and the sponsors for the meetings and all. So you get a lot of information that maybe isn't what's best for the pets. And then you get out there and start practicing, certainly with the vaccine. And I quickly saw big issues in terms of over-vaccination, especially the little pets getting sick, giving full CCs, which is what we're supposed to follow manufacturer's recommendations. So, and I just saw, the, the whole industry changing where it became more, you know, used to be the journals were about medicine, then they became more about money and how to do more dentals and how to do more of this, you know, dental month and this and that, it just coupons and just the whole thing was just prostituted in my opinion and morals began to sink as it has happened in our culture in general. And so pet owners now were faced with people like Mars coming in who are you know, candy bar company wanting to make profits on your pets and not necessarily doing what's best with quotas for vets. I mean, I can go on and on in terms of what I see going on that's deleterious to the pets, but the pet owners have to be aware of that or they're going to get caught in the in the game and uh, end up doing things that hurt their pets. So I started a movement called Protect the Pets about 20 years ago, 25 years ago, to bring morals back into my profession. And I've been on that ever since, leading kind of a dual life Facebook leading that movement. And then of course, now I'm practicing again, which is taking up a lot of my time. So the Protect the Pets movement is strong. We're certainly going forward, trying to change laws so that pets are protected, do titers instead of over-vaccinating and certainly changing the rabies law. So you're not have to give a shot when your pet already has immunity easily proven by doing a simple blood test. So that's kind of the political M that we're working on in several states. We've broken through a little bit in Delaware where now you can do a titer and get an exemption without the pet being sick, which is kind of the first time it's being recognized for what it is. And we hope to expand on that. So that's kind of my deal, working hard, trying to do what I was, uh, in my opinion, born to do, which is to be a good vet and protect the pets. So beautiful. And congratulations on Delaware. That is quite a win. And you know, whenever you're trying to shift a mindset, it's not only an uphill battle, you're met with a tremendous amount of resistance. And anger and hostility and the whole 
the, the whole industry saying you, we are right and you are wrong. And you've done a really good job of just methodically kind of chipping away at trying to get both pet parents, the industry and your fellow veterinarians to sure. see a bigger, a bigger picture. Um, talk to me a little bit about now that you're back in private practice and the great thing about owning your own practice, you know, for people that don't know, talk a little bit about the practice you had before and how now that you owner in your control of your own practice, how you can practice better in different medicine now. So compare your practice before to how you're practicing now. Right, right. Well, excellent point because, you know, now, um, I mean, I'm all about medicine. We do not send out any cards for anything. Okay. In other words, the industry is you wait for your postcard and that tells you you're due for whatever. Most of the time it's, you know, five vaccines at once, but, you know, let's leave that alone a little bit. But so I practice medicine. I consider myself a healer. I'm looking to see pets that are sick and need somebody to figure out what's wrong with them and then get them better. That's what I do. Now, certainly I will vaccinate puppies and kittens with a minimum dose and lower my number of vaccines and then check a tire to make sure I've achieved immunity for the things I vaccinate against. But my practice is mainly about sick animal medicine. And certainly the fact that I don't require vaccines when these pets are sick coming in um, is, is a game changer for me in terms of it's giving people a place yeah, to go yeah. without being pushed to give a sick animal a shot that can make them sick, which isn't even going according to the manufacturer, which says not to give vaccines to yeah. unhealthy pets. So it's a, it's a game changer in terms of what we should be doing this. I, I feel like I'm practicing up to the state of the art in terms of the new standard, which is to get back to basics, take care of sick pets, vaccinate minimally, but not to make that the goal. And that's what gets people in the door. People come in because they need to come in because their pets have a need. Now, I'm not saying wellness isn't bad. It's a good thing. Come in once a year, get a look. Some people don't realize that teeth are bad or there's a heart murmur. There's nothing wrong with that. But I allow the public to determine when they should come into my practice and I don't push them to come in with cards, you know? Yeah. And so talk a little bit about this concept of, first of all, it's sad to me as a wellness doctor that, that our entire profession equates wellness with annual vaccinations. Well, that's, that's because I, I, exactly. So wellness really has nothing, I mean, to do, establishing protective immunity against infectious disease is fine, but wellness is not coming in for vaccines. Wellness is intentionally creating health through great lifestyle choices that really has nothing to do with annual vaccines. And yet a lot of people assume that that's all in one, but you have made it your hospital policy as I did with, with my hospital that vaccines are not a factor of why you're coming to visit. Cause I'm not a just the same thing. I would vaccinate a puppy if I needed to, but the fact is you're not coming to me for vaccines. You're coming to me because you have a major medical issue. And on all of the vaccines, it says that the animal must be healthy to receive vaccine. So I guess my confusion is, and I think you're better suited, you've had more conversations about this with our colleagues that don't understand it than I have. Where, where, would, the, where would the pushback even be? Knowing that if people are coming to see us with sick animals, they are unwell, why would a vaccine conversation even enter it into the exam room? Because the animals are sick and therefore they're not even a candidate for vaccine, correct? They're not right. supposed to be candidates for vaccines. Let me phrase it that way. Yeah, no, no, you're absolutely right. And again, I think part of it is 
the business model and veterinarians who traditionally have given these vaccines and have, let's say, 10 or 15% of their income from directly from the vaccines. And then this is the opportunity to look for other issues because they're coming in for the vaccines. And some of them, quite frankly, yeah. are just scared of, I'll go out of business if I lose this income. But that's the importance of you having me on your show to tell my fellow veterinarians is not only will you not go out of business, your business will explode because it's actually pulling you down. Number one, because of lack of trust. You get these vaccines, some pets get sick, even though it's mostly denied that these vaccine reactions occur. Pet owners say, well, my pet was healthy and he got these three shots and he's sick now that something doesn't fit. You know, and then so there's that trust yeah. factor that you lose when you over vaccinate, besides the fact that people um, want to come in and, and feel safe without being pushed into things that they that they don't yeah. need. You know, so so I think you're absolutely right. It's it's the business is a part of it. Now, I will say the love of money. Look, anybody can go wrong in any profession. I don't think that veterinarians are any better than the car salesman, to be honest. I think that's, you know, there's good vets who do it for the right reason. There's some that get caught up in, I wanna make money and I'll do what I have to do to do it. That's unfortunate, that's a minority, but that, that is out there. But I think a lot of vets are just indoctrinated, the business model, how will I survive without it? But they don't really ask the question. It's like what you said, they get angry and lash out because inside they have an internal conflict and they don't know how to handle that, but they're safe in the group, right? But they lash out at somebody like you or me who's you know, trying to do the right thing and live our oath, you know? So, so I think there's a lot of the, the business model, but what I'm telling them is you'll do better without those vaccines. Now you have to work hard as a veterinarian. Yeah. Some of that's been lost, right? Being a veterinarian, we have a tough job. These people love these pets. Yes. They're, they're dying. We're on the block to get them better. And we're dealing with all that human emotion besides our own heart that wants to make them better, which we can't always do. But my practice, I'm doing lots of surgeries, okay. diagnostics. It's a tough job, Karen. You know as well as I do that we can't yeah. make everybody better yeah. no matter what. So, you know, it's a, it's a tough job, but vets need to, to take that challenge on because that's what we're trained to do. Well, and the, the vets that I... the honestly, all of the vets in my personal space are magnificent humans right. doing everything they trying, attempting to do everything they can to heal right. their patients. They still will vaccinate. An animal will come in with newly diagnosed cancer or come in, in with raging hotspots and raging skin infection and say, oh my gosh, hey, by the way, as long as you're here, you're also due for parvo, distemper, adenovirus, parainfluenza, leptocrinoline, bordetella, and a rabies. So hey, as long as you're here, Right, right. I know you're here and your dog is miserable. Your dog came in an e-collar because they are eating themselves. Right. But while you're here, we're just going to take care of business. I guess my confusion within our own profession is right. I don't, I genuinely don't know any money grubbing gross vets. They're probably out there. I don't know any, but right. the disconnect is beautiful veterinarians saying, Hey, as long as you're here and this hot ball of mess that you are going to pay me to try and fix. I guess my perspective would be veterinarians giving those seven vaccines to the hot ball of mess that you're trying to fix. You just statistically lowered the likelihood of you being able to fix that dog or cat monumentally because right. the last thing that animal need needed was all those vaccines. They, they need immune system recovery. They need immune system support. Right. The last thing they needed was to be walloped again by more vaccines. So par I think part of it is an educational process for our colleagues that, that right. have, have disconnected from 
what's due on the calendar to what's happening in the body. Right. There's like a disconnect. Um, and, and John, since you've started this movement, have, what has been, have you had veterinarians come to you that have said, hey, I don't want to say I've seen the light, but it's starting to make sense to me what you're saying. Yeah. You know, I have had those. I Unfortunately, few and far between, Karen. Um, but I have had those vets who are on board. And, you know, I think we have, I don't know the exact number of vets that have actually joined the movement and are on my Protect the Pets website so people can yeah. find a vet that's going to do titers and not go vaccine heavy. So, yes, there are those out there that are on board. I think there's a silent majority of that. Um, lower the volume, try not to over-vaccinate, but they live in fear of mm -hmm. repercussions from, you know, those in yeah. our profession or our positions of authority, because unfortunately they're tied in yeah. with the pharmaceutical money coming into the, the top of the profession. And I'm talking like AVMA presidents and this stuff goes on. I mean, let's face it, you know, moral corruption goes on, money buys, nobody walks, that kind of thing. And it, and it occurs, so, so there's a lot of vets that are just in fear of stepping out. I know most of them lower their, if you've been out there long enough, you've seen the reactions to a mm -hmm. five pound dog getting a full CC. You don't do that anymore, you squirt it out. But you'd never tell the client because the state board could find out and you yeah. could be like me, be on probation for 30 years, you know? just trying to do the right thing, yeah. you know? Yeah. So I think part of it's fear. I, I don't know because I saw the reactions. I mean, my road was, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do, but there's something wrong here. And I started going every three years before they were doing every three years shots. And, and then, yeah. you know, and then, then I stopped vaccinating and started doing titers because I heard about titers that I could, you know, so I'm not really sure why more vets. Now, certainly the holistic part of veterinary medicine needs to be accepted more and get more into mainstream because there's still a fight for you guys, you know, talking about, you know, wellness and what happens to an immune system and, and which isn't really taught in vet school very much, you know? So we got to right. get some breakthroughs right. as well so that they get the real information, don't have to learn by yeah. seeing what happens to their pets, which is what happened to me. So I, I'm not sure. I think fear has a lot to do with it, Karen. I really do. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I think fear. And I think because pet parents aren't necessarily educated about titers, because vets aren't necessarily educated about titers, this whole term, even titer, almost for the uneducated, almost seems like it's new age or weird or someone trying to do something fishy. When I first started recommending titers in 1999, I had clients say, hey, my other vet totally disagree. So I have one vet a year saying tighter and my other vet saying vaccinate. Right. And so what, how I ended up convincing people is I said, listen, I will pay if we tighter your dog. And if they come in low, I'll pay for the booster. I'll give the booster and I'll pay for it. It'll be, the booster's on me. And do you know, in 20 years, I've shelled out five free boosters right. because exactly. dogs rarely need them. But for me to get people to even entertain the thought that a titer is a viable alternative. I had to position it as this is, uh, no one's gonna lose any money. So right, if right. you commit to trusting me that we can titer, um, if the titer doesn't prove to be adequate, I'll boost for free. And then I converted all of my clients from being titer phobic to embracing titers. Mm -hmm. But those types of strategies and thoughts and ideas aren't, aren't taught to young veterinarians. So we're all figuring it out on our, on our right. own, basically. And like you said, I think the vast majority of veterinarians have seen reactions. They know what's going to happen when you give a four pound Yorkie a full dose of vaccine. And so you know, we all have coping mechanisms behind the scenes to right. fix that. It's unfortunate we can't have a bigger, more honest conversation 
at, at this point. But like you said, yeah, big pharma um, prevents that. Yeah. Well, and uh, yeah. you know. So. Well, so now that you have your own veterinarian, uh, your own veterinary practice that is solely yours and you're not under corporate medicine and you get to make your own decisions, what do you love most about this new chapter in your life uh, that's, that gets you up every morning quite inspired? Well, you know, you, you titled this Game Changer. You know, um, part of, you know, the Protect the Pets movement certainly is to educate clients, as you've talked about, you did with your giving a free vaccine if the titers didn't prove efficacious. You were educating them as well as protecting the pet, and that's the Protect the Pets movement. But by living it in the hospital, I'm also, you know, bringing a factor where I can, you know, prove that it's true by what I'm doing. And one of the things I'm doing is so much tighter testing. In fact, we we do probably eight to 10 tighter tests a day, not just at my hospital, but across the country. So I've generated uh, so much data in terms of titers, the age of dogs vaccinated mm -hmm. for rabies, for instance, vaccinating dogs at 12 weeks, which is okay to do in many states, a lot of those dogs will not get a titer because they're vaccinated too young. They have passive immunity. I know that because I'm seeing pets that have been vaccinated at that age and they're six months. And I do a titer. It's negative versus if I give the vaccine at six months, I get a good titer. So I'm generating data that uh, helps to fuel the movement by making it more real and scientific. That's one of the reasons they put me on probation, because when I was lowering my volume and doing titers, I could give a 30 pound dog a half cc and it had titers for five years, and the titers were you know, equivalent to a 100-pound dog getting a full CC. That was data. So you see, when vets call me and they say, no, you can't lower the volume, you won't get immunity, I can say, have you ever done it and check the titer? And they say, no. I said, well, then you need to just be quiet and listen, because I'm going to give you data. You just are indoctrinated and told your vaccine immune system, so you have to give the full dose or it won't work. That's But now listen to the truth, you see. So by being in practice and practicing the truth and living up to the truth standard, I'm generating data, which is fueling the movement even more. So that's a big part of it. So great. It's beautiful, John. It's really good. It's, it's, that's excellent. <laughs> like Mars. Yeah. You know, that's whenever, whenever you're trying to affect change, you know, whenever right. you are trying to reeducate, uh, it is an uphill battle, but that's, it's wonderful. And it's fantastic. Really your, your hospital has become basically a, a research center in that you can generate that information that is going yes. to go on to be able to help substantiate and support your movement, which is beautiful. So John, if you could tell the world one thing <laughs> that you want the world to know, what would it be? Well, you know, I'll get a little spiritual here because, you know, the only reason I'm still standing is because of my faith. Um, I know that, you know, I was given a gift from God to do what I do. And, uh, and I've, gone with my faith, meaning God is greater than people. So if they're wrong and he's telling me to go for it, I'm going to do it. And whatever comes my way, like you say, with persecution, I'll deal with, I'm going to go through my fears. And I've, I have a great life because of that. It's been a tough life, but I would encourage people to, to have faith, to live their faith, because even faith right now is a little bit twisted. So many churches out there, but so few people really 
you know, our country used to be leave it to Beaver on TV and, you know, the parents slept in a separate room and never, you know, and, and you, it, kids were taught at home, but they were taught. Now there's so much garbage out there that our kids are being raised with information that's wrong. Morals are lacking. So I'll leave you with that. Get back to basics, live a moral life, stand up for what's right, walk without fear, and, uh, and then we'll change the world that way. The effect we can see in veterinary medicine by what we're having to deal with, but there's an effect yeah, yeah. in society in general. So I'll leave it with, with live by faith. How's that, Karen? That's beautiful. And, uh, and I couldn't agree more. Uh, Dr. Rob, if people wanted to learn more about right. what you do, where would they go to find more information? Yeah, there's a website called protectthepets.com and it's loaded with information about the over-vaccination issue. You can get it tighter there for a very reasonable amount of money that is on there as well. Veterinarians you can find, write your legislators to affect change we talked about. So protectthepets.com, check it out and protect the pets. Beautiful, thank you, Dr. Rob, and congratulations. It's always a pleasure, Karen, God bless you. You take care.